What happens when you take your biggest competition and make them your business partner? That's exactly what James Christensen and Otto Schulze did seven years ago, and they haven't looked back on their way to the top ranks of wedding photographers. In this week's episode of Own Your Business, I dive deep into James and Otto's artistic education and individual careers to learn how their unique approaches make for a successful partnership. During the conversation, we dig into how complementary skills and mindsets create a well-rounded business, why their clients get more with four expert eyes instead of only two, and what steps they took to grow, and how they put in effort every single day. This episode will provide a peek behind the curtain of how to look five to ten years down the road rather than just next year. And you'll see how seeds you plant today need to be fed and watered and fertilized for years before they start to bear fruit. James and Otto are two of the savviest business people I know in the wedding industry. Enjoy the insights into how they think and why they're so good at what they do. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. I have got to tell you how excited I am to have this conversation today with James and Otto. Uh, I have known them for going on five years now, and they are not only incredible photographers, uh, but good guys as well, uh, fun to be around, and we just seem to have the best conversation. So I'm super excited. Thank you, Otto and James, for joining me. Uh, Before we dive in, because I'm so eager to get going. Otto, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Just a little bit of background to introduce yourself to people who are listening that may not know your uh, your personal history and, and uh, role in the wedding industry. Yeah, we're excited to be here as well, Sam. Like I, I'm one of those people, I love going to the therapist because I'm like, ask me questions. I love questions. <laughs> Give me more. <laughs> um, I'm Otto <laughs> do, you, do you remember... Auto along those lines. Do you remember that? Do you remember that uh, scene in uh, Goodwill Hunting when he's going through and he's trying to find the right therapist, and he walks yeah. into George Plimpton's office and he claps his hands and he says, "Let the healing begin." I love that line. That, <laughs> I, I can see you being that guy. <laughs> so much healing to be done. That's why. So much healing. Uh, <laughs> I'm Otto Otto Schulze. I'm one half of James and Schulze. I'm originally from South Africa, but I've been living in the States in the U.S. for the past 16, 17 years, and now live in San Pancho, Mexico, with, with a beautiful wife and a whole bunch of children. So that's me. I'm James Christensen, the other half of uh, James and Schultz. I say the American Schultz. Sorry, Otto, it should be James and uh, Schultz. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been a wedding photographer for uh, going on 20 years as well, prior to James and Schultz on, on my own. Otto and I both met in Colorado, maybe 15 years ago and we're, we're competition yeah. for, for many years um, prior to joining forces and, and launching this great collaboration, which has been a amazing joy and pleasure. I currently live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho with my wife and, and three boys. So that's where we're at. We, we travel for everything. So we live where we want and then get on airplanes to go to work. Yeah. Before we get into what it's like for you now, 
running a partnership with your business. I want to go way back to the beginnings of your career, maybe even before you knew that you want to be a professional photographer. I love hearing the histories of how people get started with a, a passion or an interest. I, I don't know of many people who at the age of you know nine are like, you know what I want to do? I want to be a wedding photographer. <laughs> so James, Ninja. I'm curious for you, where did this all begin? Where did you start your career or at least the interest in being a photographer? You, you said since the age of nine, uh, you know, since the age of nine, I, I have always wanted to be a physician. So I went through university, graduated, hoping to go to medical school, didn't get into medical school. I was advised, oh, you know what you should do? You should go and get a master's degree. I ended up getting a master's degree in epidemiology and biostatistics, which for the last, you know, two to three years has been really, really useful knowledge to have <laughs> given the pandemic. And through that process, I just realized, you know, medicine is not what I want to do. It's not. And I kind of was a little bit lost. I ended up teaching for seven years and I taught physical education, health and photography um, at a private school, high school in, in Southern California. And it was really that thing that launched uh, my career because I had summers off and, and I used to have different photographers come into my classroom and, and lecture to my kids. Cause I wanted the students to go, okay, this actually is a real career. So I would bring newspaper photographers and commercial photographers. And then one of them was a wedding photographer that I ended up starting assisting and being a second photographer for, for three years. And I really got a, a full university degree from her. She had been doing it for many years, uh, both on the photography and the business side. So that's really where I got started. You know, I had always been shooting photos through high school, college, but never really considered it as a career until then graduate school after your undergraduate and then seven years of teaching. So how old were you when you picked up a camera with the intent to make money with it, photographing weddings, I, late 20s? Yeah, probably 28. Um, when I kind of started being that a second photographer and, and doing that mentorship with, with Alex. Yeah. So late twenties. Otto, when did you get started? When did I get started as a photographer? Probably around 20. I was living um, in Nepal for a few years. So, you know, I was a proper, how do you say, a juvenile delinquent. I was one of those for many years, professionally. So <laughs> it took me a while to find my feet. But anyway, ended up in a rehab by the time I was 21 and then ended up in Nepal from there, just traveling and doing relief work. And that's how photography started for me, really, in a bookstore. It's a good story. In a bookstore in Kathmandu, I found a book by Henri Cartier-Bresson, the French photographer. And it blew my mind. I'd never seen anything like it. And from that moment onward, I'm like, okay, I'm going this direction. So I ended up going back to South Africa, studying photography for a few years, which is a useless degree, if anybody's thinking about that. But started out as a documentary photographer, a photojournalist. Shot my first wedding as a student. Um, and funny enough, my very first wedding back then in South Africa, the average wedding was maybe like 5,000 rands for people paid. Our very first wedding, we sold the couple on a 20,000 Rand wedding. <laughs> we just went the fine art direction with it immediately, which I think is hilarious now. When you're first starting then with the camera and, and you charge your, your 20,000 four times the going rate, mid 20s, late 20s, how fast were you moving once you figured out what you wanted to do? No, maybe like 20, yeah, 21, 22, like that. No, and we just shot that one wedding, and then for a few years it was nothing, just finished my studies. And then when I moved to the US, 
my wife's from Colorado, so I moved for a girl. And when I came to Colorado, um, the idea was just to be a photojournalist, right? Work for the newspaper, continue that track, and then shoot weddings on the side. But this was America, not South Africa, and the market was just so huge. Like in South Africa, the market's really small, and it takes years to get into it. In America, it was so huge. Within a few months, I had like 15 weddings booked. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Forget photojournalism. I'm done. <laughs> I'm just going to do this. Yeah, and that kind of started the journey. That's how I encountered James. You know, started shooting weddings in Aspen. I kept losing weddings to this James Christensen guy. <laughs> so it sounds like you two took a very different path. Each of you took a different path. And one of the things that I love about a really successful partnership, and I'm sure we'll dig into this as the conversation goes along, is that it's oftentimes built with people who are very different from each other and that they complement each mm -hmm. other, uh, where one person is strong and the other person is weak. You fill those gaps, those holes in each other. You know, Otto, your story of origin as a wedding photographer is really about this footloose and fancy free falling in love with something instantaneously in a bookstore in Kathmandu and then going back and just kind of winging it and seeing where things took you. Whereas James, it was, you know, very structured background through formal education and then being involved as an educator and then patiently working your way through as, you know, as an apprentice with a mentor who was showing you the ropes. James, how do you think that your approach has contributed to the success that you've had as a photographer, your approach of more formal education or understanding, uh, more structure and uh, uh, research before doing something. What has that done for your career so far? <laughs> Honestly, I would say maybe it's, it's more harmed it than helped it, you know, to really grow, to, become more successful than you are right now. I feel like you have to, you have to take risk and you have to be willing to be open to ideas that you absolutely don't know about before. Right. And, and having kind of this structure, this structured approach other than my mentorship, I think that was really useful, but the, the whole formal education kind of, I think hindered learning because, you know, you, you go to a book, you go to a teacher and you, you try to find this information but you don't necessarily think outside of those structures. So I, I think the partnership and the collaboration with Otto has certainly opened that type of up. Cause like you say, he's a much more open to idea type of person, even though I guess I, I did manage to have great success prior as well. Yeah. But again, it was just different. I think it's because of my ability to take risks more than anything I, I was yeah, made, yeah. Be, be able, I was able to be successful, but I don't think it had much to do with formal education. And Otto, what do you think before you were, you know, James and Schultz? What was what was the contribution that you think that your prior experiences in life or or, or work uh, contributed to your success as you got going as a photographer, as a wedding photographer? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I think me and James in many ways are very similar and in some key ways different, and that's that's how it plays, right? I might be the juvenile delinquent, right, the one that got into trouble, but when we have to hop a fence to take a photo, I pause and he's the one that hops it, right? So yes. um, it's a nice flow there between us. Um, I think for me, maybe the biggest thing is that juvenile delinquency, honestly. You know, it was a big problem for me growing up, always got in trouble and never quite understood it. But now as I look back, I realize it's just a creative brain that is not bound by things. You know, you say, don't do that. My brain doesn't accept it. You know, it just goes, well, why not? You know, which obviously caused me a lot of trouble growing up. 
But I think in <laughs> business, and especially in teaming up with James, both of us have that tendency. We will leap. And then the other thing I think, honestly, is maybe call it stubbornness, but I think it's the tenacity is like we just, we just don't quit. Because that's something as a business owner you really have to face up to. You're going to have way more downs than ups. And that's just a journey. And for us, at several points here in the journey, we hit the wall, we hit the ceiling where things weren't working. And we were both, we both have this. We're just like, nope, we'll make it work. And I think that's maybe the biggest thing for both of us. Tell me about the coming together of your two businesses. How long, James, and, and then Otto, were you working on your own as a principal photographer for your businesses before you decided to join forces? Yeah, I mean, I moved to Colorado in 2003, um, and it wasn't until 2016 that or 15 that Otto and I actually joined forces. So I, I worked on my own for for 12 years as as a wedding photographer and my own my own business. I, it was I, I had turned 40, and this is this is the story of how James and Schultz really was born. Um, obviously, we were competition, and we both were going after similar weddings, I, I would lose to him. He would lose to me, but I turned 40 and I was up, up in the mountains, photographing a wedding. Actually, prior to the wedding, I had gone to, to a coffee shop and like many 40 year olds, I reached for a cup of coffee. That's literally, I was just sitting reaching for the cup of coffee and I had a major back spasm. Like my back went out, like almost threw up. It was just like one of these <laughs> most painful Parts of, so I made two calls. So the first one was to my buddy who was a, a pain doc. And I said, I need Vicodin and Valium. Drugs. At least that's what he prescribed me. Yeah. <laughs> I need drugs. And the second one was to Otto. And I said, I need a photographer. And he drove up, put a suit on. He was there in, you know, an hour and 45 minutes because it's a you know, three hour drive. And I photographed the whole wedding. I kind of just walked around with a camera all day, but he photographed the whole wedding. And from there, we started helping each other quite often. And we just realized this is so much more fun. The work is better. There's so much more creative freedom. And that's really what started this conversation. And we often joke, we just help one another one time too many to where not doing it together became undoable. It's like, well, this is clearly better for us, for the clients, for the work, you know, than just doing it separately. I only know of a few double lead photography studios or teams that are out there at the caliber that you are now, or, or even in the more general luxury segment, did you have a model that you were able to look at of people who were doing what you had wanted to do or what you saw in the future for your business? No, I mean, I, I certainly know James, not really. Huh? Yeah. So no, I mean, certainly there's some husband wife teams, but usually in that it's, there's, there's a lead. There's yeah. somebody that has a name on the, on the, yeah. the door. So yeah, yeah, we didn't really, we recreated this out of really nothing from the ground up. Yeah. Were you worried at all about doing something that you hadn't seen somewhere else? Or were you excited that you could be the first to market on something like this? What was going through your head, Otto? I, I know you've always been a risk taker. What were you most excited about and what were you yeah. concerned about? Yeah, I mean, there were certainly some risks, right? Because we both had businesses that were working, successful businesses, you know, and we're putting that at risk by joining together. And certainly for that first year or two, you know, we did take a knock financially. We were both making less. We're splitting a paycheck now, right? And having to reproposition the market on a whole new brand, which is not just as simple as, 
oh, Otto, will you know, and James, who you know, is together now, especially at a higher valuation. So there was all of that. And there was some lift driving and some UPS work the first year on the side, right, to make things work as we were high-end photographers <laughs> with my poor little fingers raw from UPS. But that's what James said earlier. We, we, we saw the value. We saw the opportunity because when we helped one another, it was our best events every year. I'd bring him and he would bring me. And so then we just said, well, look, why don't we just go after the truly exceptional exclusively? not just once or twice or three times a year marquee events. Let's just go right after the exceptional. And so we saw that and we're like, it's, there's va value here. It's worth the risk. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely some risk involved in that. To the risk, I had multiple people call me and, and hey, can we have a coffee? And I would go and sit and they would be like, what are you doing? Why would you do this? Why would you throw away a 12-year career for something that you're going to share yeah. with somebody, you know, all these things, people were quite worried. I mean, from family members to <laughs> other photographers, friends of yeah. mine, it's just like, why would you do this? Um, and yeah. it really came down to, I think what, what Otto said, what we wanted the exceptional. And we saw yeah. that what we did together brought us so much more yeah. creative yeah. freedom. I think for me, that was always the, the big driving force. Like, I could, I could move from being a wedding photographer where I had to be constantly thinking about the right moment or what I thought was the right moment. And I could move yeah. back to where I originally started shooting weddings was photographing for friends and just kind of, I would wander around and just photograph what appealed to me and what drew me in. Yeah. And we've created this dance now where now we do both of those things. And depending on where we are in the room, what cameras we have, I mean, it's, it's just, we read each other and one of us is covering a wedding. One of us is, is chasing light or a moment or just yeah. being creative. And, and that has made all the difference. Yeah. And it's grown and it's morphed right over the years, Sam, in a big way, because in the beginning it was like, I brought that documentary more dramatic style back then at least. And James was more editorial and clean. And we thought, oh, one plus one, there we go. And for the first while it was like that, you could see it in the collection, right? His work and my work, but now it's become our work and it's we've rubbed off on one another across the board. Right. And I think the biggest thing for me in this partnership was like for years, I felt like I was a creative and I love that but running a business was this uncreative stuck thing, you know? And in partnership with James, honestly, the most creative part is running the business. It's mm -hmm. way more creative. I enjoy that more than anything. And I love shooting. But that's one of those areas where things really shifted for me. I'm curious what it was like when you first started out. You mentioned UPS driving. I don't know if either of you have read Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. It's a fabulous read. Uh, and if you if you do want to read it, if you like his work or like him as a person, uh, you know, it's a great memoir. Don't read the book. Listen to the audio book because he narrates it himself. Mm -hmm. And it's so much fun just to listen to his little drawl as, as, he, as he talks <laughs> about his life. But, but in there, he talks about getting pigeoned into the rom-com lead. And, you know, it was great for his career and it was exciting and fun. But at some point he was looking to really pivot into more serious roles, roles that challenged him, interested him and filled his cup in, in different ways. And so 
he decided to to make a stand to put a flag on the ground and say, I, I'm not doing those kinds of roles anymore. I am only going to do roles that excite me and interest me and are more serious. And so he got hit up right away with a, you know, a great role in a rom-com for millions of dollars and he had to turn it down. Hmm. And then this, the, you know, the producer of the studio came back and they're like, well, we'll, we'll pay you more. And he still said no. And then it ended up, they came back to him over the course of months and even over a year. And the, the salary for the, the role got so ridiculous that it was, you know, life-changing type money. But he still yeah. said no. And mm -hmm. he ended up going over a year, 15, 19 months. I can't remember exactly what it was without getting the kind of role he wanted. But he knew that if he took a rom-com role, that he might give up the opportunity to do something that was more serious and interesting in the direction he wanted to go. And the next role for him ended up being Dallas Buyers Club and completely transformed mm -hmm. his career. I'm curious, yeah. as you were going through joining forces and figuring out your way to the exceptional, what kind of, you know, what kind of stress was it like for you to have those conversations with your family almost intervening? Like, are you okay? Are you having a, a midlife crisis in your <laughs> early forties or, you know, Otto, is this some crazy dream that you have that you're just, you know, uh, winging it on again? Is this another trip yes. to Kathmandu? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm curious, uh, uh, you know, Otto, what was it like for you as, as you got up in the morning, shaking your head going, I'm a talented photographer, but I gotta, I gotta pay the bills somehow. Yeah, that's actually like, that was a big shift for me because I, I for years was stuck in the, I'm an artist zone, you know, all about my work. And, um, it was a big switch in my mind to go, I need to be a better business owner before I can be a successful artist. Right now for me, I, I didn't have too much pause with this. So like a little background for me is about seven years ago, we went to Africa. We were supposed to go for a few weeks, visit my family. And we ended up staying in South Africa for a year. I kind of staked away from the industry. I was done, deleted a bunch of raw files in typical auto fashion and off I went. And so when I came back from that with another child, additionally, I was very clear on what I wanted and what I didn't want with my career with photography. And that's when we started James and Shaw. So that's why it was so quick for me to saw it. I'm like, no, this is, let's do it. So I didn't pause too much on it. I typically go and then pay the price later. <laughs> I think this is what has made us a success is Otto and I, we don't really look before we leap. Um, and I've, I've done this my whole career and, and kind of my whole life is get in way over my head and then figure it out and swim to the top. That's, that's, that's the, for me, the driving force of, of motivation and, and really willing to dig in. I won't just like say, well, I want that. And I'll start from here. Like I'm going to get into it and realize, oh man, I don't have what I need and I'll figure it out from there. And, and so, yeah. yeah, I didn't have a lot of pause either. Once I made that decision, it was really, let's just, let's just go. I also made this decision right around the time I decided to sell everything I own and put my family into an Airstream and, and travel around the United States for a year. So that first year of us working together, actually, I was mostly in a trailer and driving, you know, from national park to national park and then getting on an airplane, flying to shoot a wedding. Yeah, there's certainly, there was certainly stress and there was certainly challenges. I mean, I was 
snow plowing one winter. Like that was my job. I would get up at 4 a.m. just to try to bring in some money to, to keep the doors open and the, the heat on until we could get that next booking. And those for that first year really was, you know, booking to booking. That was how we were surviving yeah. while we figured it all out. I think it's interesting yeah, but- that both of you have this, this experience of going through however many years it was, you know, eight, 10, 12 years, seven years. And at some point you were like, you know what? I got to take a break. I need to recalibrate. I need to spend some time mm-hmm. away, get some perspective. Otto, you went to Africa, James, you packed up everything in an Airstream and traveled around. And it's not like, you know, you were quitting on life. You still had your families with you. You were just deciding yeah. you needed to get some perspective and get out. What were some of the things that you learned about yourself and what you wanted to do with your business in the future when you were on those breaks, you know, Otto, what, what was it that brought you back from Africa with renewed interest that you were going to achieve something different or better or, or have some different purpose? Yeah. yeah. I think the biggest mind shift for me during that Africa year and coming back was the very clear realization that it was all up to me. The ball was in my court. This was mine to do, you know? And so when I came back from there, I was no longer waiting for things to happen or hoping for things to happen, like trying something with the business and going, oh, well, that didn't work. You know, data sample of one, you know, it was much more of like, no, wait a minute. I'm leaving a lot on the table here. A lot. Yeah. Just really started going after it, uh, taking responsibility for all of it, what I want, what I do about it. And then when we got into this collaboration together, it was invigorating, right? Because for me, I feed off that creatively talking and ideas and playing with them. And even my wife says arguing, right? <laughs> but there's energy for me in it. And, and the other thing as well is when I left, there was obviously with some of my family, you know, some conversation about the wisdom of my choices, you know, and for me, I come from an athletic background. So I definitely motivate with things like that. You know, if you tell me I can't do it, James is the best in the world at that. Like you tell him he can't do it. You will most certainly do it, but I have a similar thing. So there was definitely a chip on my shoulder as well from some of that, but definitely the realization that was up to me was the game changer. What about for you, James? For me, it was, I think large part of it was, we had already made this decision to do James and Schultz before I ever was kind of happening simultaneously for, for this trip. So it wasn't like I had this big aha moment on, on, but, but, what I was looking for with that trip really was a different lifestyle. I had been grinding, shooting 30 weddings a year for years and years and years. And I just like that trip opened everything up to me. It's like, Oh man, I can, I can do a lot less by charging more and still, and, and have the life that I want to have. Um, I don't have to be grinding and, and working seven days a week and gone 30 weekends in a row. You know, and so, and so when we did join forces and like Otto says, like we're both, we're athletes. I was an athlete in high school and college, played basketball, volleyball, that training stuck with me. You know, like when you get tired, like, and you have to go run another set of laps, <laughs> you put your head down and you just go back and you do it. Um, and that grind of th- that, that is required at a high level in athletics uh, yeah. certainly has carried over to us here because you know, when I don't want to come into the office and start grinding, it doesn't matter. It just, yeah, totally. The discipline of just doing it yeah. has certainly served us well. 
It's like having a, a couple of horses. You know, I don't know much about horse racing, but from what I do know is that when you're trying to motivate an animal or, or a person, uh, it's the same way that you need. They run people run faster when they have something to compete against. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, oftentimes when you're on your own, you might get lost in your thoughts or satisfied with the progress you're making or the pace that you're moving. But when you can compare yourself to how quickly you're moving next to yeah. somebody else, that it oftentimes 100%. motivates us. You're better and it's easier. And that's the thing about this with the work and the experience. It got better and easier. The flow, the experience of making the images, connecting with the clients, actual results, both financially and with the work, right? All elevated in this collaboration significantly. Mm. That's huge value, right? Loving your job. It's a, it's a big deal. How long was the the gap between okay we're going to do this and wow this was the absolute right choice there's no looking back oftentimes you know success appears to be overnight and mm-hmm. you know you two have moved pretty quickly through the ranks of luxury and ultra luxury and have found frankly wild success um but obviously it wasn't that way from the beginning was there a you know, what was the, the time lapse between we're doing this and, and this is the right move. And was there one definitive moment? Was there a point that you could look back to and you, you think that was when we knew we had made the right choice? You know, we, we have basically doubled our revenue every year we've been in business together. And so it, it didn't take us long to realize like what we had. Um, that first year was a struggle and that's where we had to, Move to other jobs. And yeah, I mean, we both had some work that we, we were finishing from our own businesses, but we did it together. So that income was coming on in and while we were booking new stuff. So it was that really first, maybe 18 months that was the real grind. But, you know, even the second year, we, we doubled our income from, from the first year and then have doubled every year since, um, and so I, I think it was that second year that we were like, okay, yeah, we've, we have this, we can do this. But with that said, right, James, for all those years, the conversation was always between the, the two of us. We're pushing this ball up the hill. Let's just keep pushing this ball up the hill, right? I would honestly say it's only in the past, where would you say, James, three, two, three years, really, that now the ball is, it's, it's over. You know, it's a different game now. So it's taken several years for it to get to the point where, you know what I mean? There's some momentum yeah. on its own now. It took a while. For sure. It was always a grind. You're right. And it's still, I mean, yeah. if you, we, we always say, if, you, if you're not doing the work now, you're going to feel it in a year. And so we, we, we've been in business long enough to know that. And so we don't stop. And so that ball, we're always pushing that ball. It just, sometimes we yeah. can push it with one hand now and <laughs> it keeps going. Yeah. As you guys started to work together more and you kind of felt out how the relationship was going to go, you know, Otto, what was, you know, what did you find was the biggest strength that you brought to not just the partnership, but to the success of the business? I think, I don't know, it's hard to say one thing. And again, I'm curious to hear James' answer to this, but I think maybe work ethic unrelenting work ethic. Like really, we just go for it nonstop to the point we had to stop one another at points and go, okay, we need to divide this up a little bit smarter. Yeah. I think the work ethic was maybe the biggest thing I brought initially. I mean, what else could it be? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. I think it's the work ethic. 
James, would you yeah. agree with that? For, for Otto, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he, he definitely is a <laughs> a beast. Like in the gym, on the field, in the office, it doesn't matter. He is going to push um, and push and push. And to that competitive you know, spark that I yeah. have, I'm inherently lazy. Um, but I won't let somebody out, outwork me. And so if I see yeah, him going, right. I'm going to go. And so yeah, that, that's been really useful for me. Um, to have that, the, the impetus to get off my ass <laughs> and go do it uh, and then have that competition and that feeling of yeah. drive yeah, from auto. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I, I think what I brought was a love of systems mm. and systemizing things. Like I, I'm a problem solver and I like to yeah, prob- solve it. a problem, figure it out, systemize it. And now it's not a problem anymore. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's probably the one of my greatest strengths is just to figure out how do I turn this into a system, which in some ways it can be, you can over systemize things. And so autos openness also keeps things from feeling overly corporate, right? Cause you can systemize so far that you just go, well, this doesn't feel like a, these don't feel like people anymore. Um, yeah. So auto definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I will not be systemized. Yeah, so it's a good balance, quite yeah. honestly. When you go through and you think about what it is that a small business owner has to do in the wedding space, mm-hmm. photographer or not, there are so many different hats that we wear: marketing hats and mm-hmm. sales hats, and uh, you know, customer service hats and admin and and all of these different roles. Uh, there's also lots of different opportunities to spend our time doing so many different things. I'm curious, what's the activity that you do or that you have found is most important for you to do to further the growth of your business, to achieve that kind of success that you want with whatever it is that you have in in the future for yourselves? Hmm. For me, I think it has, and I think for both of us, building relationships is the... And I learned this early on in my career as a photographer, because I was trying to figure out how do I market? How do I, and at one point I just said, you know what, I'm going to try to meet with a different person. And I just, just did this randomly, but I, I'm going to meet with a different person in the wedding industry every week for a year. And like, I'll meet 52 people and that <laughs> doing that, I did that for a year. And that thing, that one act changed my entire career. And then when Otto and I joined forces, we we took that same principle and put it in on steroids. And now I look back and go 52 weddings. I mean, 52 relationships building, like that's nothing. Cause we do that. You know, we might meet with 52 people in a, in a quarter or in a month, um, depending on wh- what time of the year it is. So building relationships and, you know, and, and with that, like learning to communicate, whether it's written or speaking yeah. on the phone, on zooms now, um, I would say like, for me, that's the number one skill being able to communicate and build relationships. Otto, what about for you? No, hundred percent agree that that's it. I really can't say it any better. I'll, I'll just add, we always come at those re- relationships and building the, them from the view of adding value, bringing value beyond just the normal, um, in those relationships, right? So if we reach out to a planner, it's not just. The value is not we're photographers. <laughs> That's not that. There's lots of photographers. We always want to bring value beyond that, right? 
And in order to do that, you need to connect with the person and understand who they are, what they need and how things look like from their side. Right. So I think if there's one skill you can develop in business. It's that that's the biggest one. That's the one that will pay you. As you're going through and you're thinking about 10 years ago, five years ago, before you, you reach the, the point in your careers where you're at right now, I think we all have these myths that we believe, these misconceptions about the luxury or, or now for you, ultra luxury space. I'm curious to hear each of your uh, biggest false beliefs that you believe that you wish you didn't, or what were the biggest myths that you found were busted when you actually got behind the curtain and you saw what was going on in, in the, the luxury, ultra luxury photography space. Otto, what was it for you? Yeah. The, the biggest one is very common is people think the luxury clients are stuffy and difficult and demanding and they're not at all. Our experience has been the exact opposite. Um, they're incredibly kind and why they people just like all of us, just the money thing. It's so silly if we think like this, but it's that we think they're difficult and demanding. Again, the opposite has been true for us. We, I had far more difficult clients at the lower end than we do at the high end. Um, every event we walk away from, we're like, man, what a beautiful family, what beautiful kids, what beautiful, like real, and they place the value in photography and they understand how it works, you know, and. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest one. The luxury client's difficult. They can be, but that's I can be too. <laughs> so that's not unique to them by any means. So you push through the barriers that are in the way, the myths that are blocking your success, and you know you get your own perspective on what it's like to be in this luxury space and find success in your own way, doing it the way that's going to work for you and for the people that you're you're photographing. You know, one of the, the big misconceptions that I see in the clients that I work with is that all you have to do as a photographer or videographer or stationer or floor designer or whatever it is that you do is get on the list with a great planner. And all of a sudden, life is going to be easy again. Or yeah. you just have to get named to the Harper's Bazaar list. And all of a sudden, the magic will happen. But we three know that that is not the case because mm. everybody else is getting a referral from that planner too. And you still have to find a way to win the business. There are 60 other people who are on the Harper's Bazaar list or whatever list as well. And everybody that you're being compared with for your services is at that yeah. same level. You know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, they don't play against high schoolers. Everybody else is at the top of their craft as well. And so, <laughs> What do you find is the most important thing that you have to do to win the business when you do get the referral from a planner? Our approach as James and Schulte is about connecting. It's about understanding who these people are and who our client is um, yeah. and what story they want told. You know, we're going to have an aesthetic of how we do that, but we want to really understand like what should be emphasized and who are these people so that we don't go into a wedding like a bull in a china shop and just say, well, here's what we do. It doesn't matter who you are. This is what we do. Um, yeah. And so that's always the approach that we take on that first call. And I think the people that hire us, that stands out to them. Um, 
Yeah. We're here to understand you and to connect with you because as a wedding photographer, that's what we're looking for. We don't, that's why our work looks the way it, it looks is because it's not artificial. It's authentic and it's connected. Um, and so that's the thing that we more than anything, try to communicate with, with a client when we get on a call is understand who are you? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what ultimately wins us the business. Now, I think that is it is genuine interest in other people. That's the key. And it's that simple. So other photographers, when we consult with them, they like tell us the keys or the secrets, so they think it's complicated. But if you get that, if that drops for you, you can just make it about the planner, make it about the client sincerely. That's the whole game, really. Like with people, when they green light you subconsciously like that, it, the road opens up. Um, and so it's so easy for us, honestly, when we go in those calls and they, they ask us for the song and dance, we go, we don't have one. We don't have a preconceived idea of how we're going to approach you or your event. We're not going to just be wedding photographers. Give us a feeling for how you see it, right? It's immensely powerful. And aside from it being effective in sales, it's really useful to us as photographers, artists as well, right? It informs the w work. Um, so it's win-win. And it's an opportunity to um, elevate because what we, we hear back is other photographers don't see it like this. There's demand, there's cookie cutter, there's here's how, here's what I need. This is my story. This is my work. And so when we come in with this approach, it's immediate elevation for us with the planner and with the client. So it really is key. You know, it's interesting the way that you phrase that in the beginning, Otto. Uh, you said something, you know, show genuine interest in other people. I'm fairly yeah. certain that's one of the, you know, 20 to 25 tenets that Dale Carnegie talks about in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, mm -hmm. is to be genuinely interested in others. And yeah. I, you know, I read that book, 2006 was the first year I read that book. I probably read it every year, maybe even more than once a year for <laughs> a better part of a decade. And I think that if all you did was read that book and follow as many of those guidelines as possible, that you would become a wildly successful salesperson because yeah, yeah. it is about connecting and it is about doing so on the other person's terms rather than, than yours. It's about their wedding yeah. and their hopes and their concerns and their desires and interests. It's not about what you want to do. Yeah. Your job is to tell their story, but you got to know the characters before you tell the story. And everybody's got a story they want to tell and everybody wants people to hear it. You just got to give them space to do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. I, I think that that is probably a, a good way to look back on your success is that you put your client yeah. and, and your secondary client, the planner at the center of, of your story. Yeah, you, give, you give them your attention, right? Our goal is always to go to whether it's a, a planner or a client, but is how can we, what are your hopes and dreams? How can we help you realize those hopes and dreams? And, that, and honestly, that's how we provide value over and over and yeah. over and over again. Understand what yeah. you want, try to help you get it. On, initially simple. and on the actual wedding weekend as well, right? Same approach again, yeah. reading the room, anticipating, feeling it out. We're about, about to do portraits, but we can feel the brides uneasy about something. We don't go, well, it's portrait time. We move with her, you know, we, we feel them out. You, you help, you smile at people like such a simple, small thing, but like you just look at people and smile at them. They love that. Humans love mm -hmm. it when you smile at them. You get a huge ROI on the smile, right? Like, but it's just making it about them, 
making it about their guests. Yeah, that's so useful, so effective, useful, effective. I read in a book the other day that the shortest distance between two people is a smile, and <laughs> it's so true. Speaking of smiles, see if I can use a, a kind of lame segue here. What does success look like for you? What's going to make you smile looking back in three, four, five years? You've obviously come so far. You know, you've reached the top of class as achievement-oriented uh, people. Clearly, you want something to look forward to, a goal to shoot for. What does that look like now for you, James? <laughs> It's a tough question. I mean, I I know that I derive so much meaning out of life, and not self worth necessary, but meaning in my life by setting goals, um, and and then going after those goals. That, that I am so goal oriented that I just know, like I'm just going to keep setting goals, whether that you know at some point those goals turn more towards personal. Um, like personal life and I'm going to keep it trying to achieve those goals. Um, but I, I don't see us taking off, uh, taking our foot off the gas anytime soon. Um, we're just going to keep setting goals and, and tackling them, set them up and knock them down like that, that at least for me, that's how I operate. And that's what keeps me going forward and, you know, enjoying the job that I, that I do. So. Otto, what's what's something that that really motivates you that you're shooting for down the road when it comes to your business or your life? Yeah, uh, for me, the biggest thing now, especially, is time. It's, it's having time, you know, for myself, for my kids, for my wife, for the things that I love. Like that's the big thing that we can do now. We have more. I want to go on a jungle run. I can. I want to just take the morning with my kids. I can. My wife wants to do a that more than anything. And I think progressively more of that, just the ability to spend my time the way I want to. And look, I love doing this too. So this, this is also a good way to spend our time, but there's a few years where it was, where, you know, it's just lights out grinding and that value proposition shifts, right? And I think at some point you go, wait a minute, I can take more time for me. And I know that's huge for James as well. I mean, our family, I'm sure this will come up. They are our why you know, the main why for me, for sure. It's why we do it. That's why we insisted on it working. You know, yeah, I think time is the biggest thing because that's always it's running out. It's going away right now. And I watch my kids grow up, you know, like they're going away. The oldest one I can feel, she's starting to go away, you know, and I, I can feel it <laughs> anyway. Time. It sounds to me like I'm going to be doing all the work and you're going to be sitting on the porch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you can automate things, right? Your systems, man. Automate it, Jimmy. <laughs> automate you sitting on the porch. <laughs> I'll be in a hike with Sam. <laughs> okay. Fair that sounds great. Sorry, James. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about that why, Otto. You know, after doing this for so many years, you know, it's easy to face burnout. Uh, I was reading a book last year with our online book club, and it was called Burnout, written by two sisters yeah. who are doctor scientists. <laughs> and one of the key things to prevent burnout is connecting with your sense of purpose. Every day you go into work or when you start to get tired, you remember why you're doing this in the first place. You know, what is it about your family that connects that work? Why with your bigger? Why? I mean, they're just such a big, they're everything, right? Like without sounding cheesy, they really are. They, 
and the thing with them is they're there. I wake up in the morning and there they are. There's those four kids and there's my wife. It's imbi- their need is apparent immediately. Um, and my delight for them as well. I can feel it immediately, you know? And so I don't even know why it's, it just is, it's just so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that immense sense of responsibility for them, right? For these little people. And yeah, it's immense. And that's, again, that's on me to take it very seriously. But I've also learned, like I'm learning now, we've learned how to set that time aside for them, you know, because you get this busy and you grind and you grind. It's very easy to just get lost in it. And just like mm-hmm. with physical exercise, if you don't rest, you will not have the results you want. And so we've certainly learned that year to take those big pauses intentionally to be effective. Otherwise you are just burning yourself out because it's not just about money. We have financial needs. Of course, I have six people in my house. Money loses its value pretty quickly as a motivator. Even you get to a certain point, you're like, well, okay, that's now that's more than what we need. So now time again, connecting with my family, connecting with myself, that becomes immensely valuable. Is it hard to turn the drive for success with your business off and switch the switch the gears, decompress, move into family man mode? No, I I think it was initially for sure. And me and James to find that balance was also hard, right? Because I would see, I wake up really early in the mornings. And so when I was living in Colorado, I'd wake up at 4.30 and start driving to the gym. And on the way to the gym and back, that's when my brain in the mornings is just like firing. And so I just start hitting James with WhatsApps. So by the time this man wakes up in Idaho, you know, there's like a terabyte width of half-baked ideas. And so we've had to learn how to manage all of that, right? That load. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> um, but it, it is hard. But I think one of the ways I do it is exercise. I kind of make myself go run. I make myself take those spaces where I can't. It has to switch off. Meditation, intentional things like that. Because otherwise the brain just, mind just keeps going. It just chews over everything over and over. And then things get, you know, murky. I think I really use exercise. Yeah, yeah. The, the uh, opportunity that we want to provide for our kids and our families, like that, the lifestyle and just pure opportunity. Like if a child of my, one of my sons wants to try to do something, like I want to be able to give him that opportunity. So it really, yeah. that really is my why. And like Otto says, the time that we spend is, is incredibly valuable to just help guide them through their life. One of the things that for me has been huge is an idea of ultra focused work, chunking your time throughout the day and not getting uh, distracted by social media and emails and phones and just being able to shut everything down. Focus. I mean, we, we talk a lot about 90 minute windows, That's, you know, yeah. 60 to, to a 90 minute window is what we, I do. Um, I'll shut everything off and I just grind for 90 minutes and then I'll go out for a walk with my wife. I'll go upstairs and have a coffee and just sit for a while and just kind of let my mind breathe. And then, so I try to do three, three of those focused chunks a day and whatever I can really get done in those outside of emails and everything else that that's really how I'm getting stuff done. And that's freeing up your time then to be able to go out and, indulge in your why to engage in life outside of work and really use that time as, as best you can. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, we've had to get more structured with it because of all the travel, we travel so much, you know, if, if it's not structured, then we get home time with family goes away, you know? So we've learned to go, okay, 
We're home now. Office ends at four o'clock. That's it. No more anything else. Make those lines sharp and clear, you know? I read in a book somewhere, I, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was near all he's talking about indistractable and he, you know, he talks about the do not disturb and these chunks of, you know, deep work that you can do. Um, but he also talks about this, th- this need to kind of shut down like a computer would, you know, if you just unplug a computer when you're done using it or you're ready to move on, but you don't shut it down properly it, it over time, it can damage the, you know, the, inter- the internal yeah. parts of the computer. And I think that's the same with, with us as, you know, business owners, especially if we're working from home, primarily, there's not a commute to unwind. Um, there's yeah. not a, there's not a downtime. There's not a down cycle and, and a winding down routine that we get to do. And so I, I have found that very helpful. Exercise is a great little way to do that. Could be a walk, yeah. could be a quick bike ride, but uh, it tends to focus your body, ground your body. Uh, it, yeah. it ends that stress cycle and allows you to then go into that time with your family, your why, being 100% rather than just being a warm, beating heart that's that's physically there. Hmm. No, totally. I, I use running year, year in the worst time of the day in the heat exactly like that. I'll work until, like James says, there's three blocks, and then I'll go for a run mid-late afternoon, and that ends my work day, clears my mind. Now I'm home. Come home, you know, Mexico, so I sweat for an hour, but once I've recovered from that, now I'm home with my family, my brain's clear. And I don't touch anything that evening. I used to. For the first few years, it was nonstop all the time on all the time. A client writes us at midnight, I respond. But we've learned you just have to be wiser with when you have load, especially. It's like anything, you know, you can't just, when you're in your 20s, you can work out every day. When you're in your 40s, you can't lift weights every day. You'll break. And so it's, in it. you have to adjust. All right, let's let's wrap up with one final question. I love this one. Uh, I'll ask it in, in uh, a couple of different ways for each of you, Otto. Any regrets as a business owner, looking back on the things that you've done since that bookstore in Kathmandu and you decided to go out as a wedding photographer, any regrets over that time period? No, I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of regrets because I think we are what we are, right? The accumulation of all these things that we do and has happened to us. So I don't really regret things. Maybe if I have to pick one thing, I'd say that it didn't dawn on me earlier that it's all up to me. Um, mm. I think I spent lots of years waiting for things to happen. Like you would have one little success, a big booking, and you'd go, aha, like you said, Sam, here it comes now. I wish that years ago I just went, no, no, keep doing it. That's how it keeps coming. But with that said, it's part of the journey, right? I know that because I did it the other way. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe that. I might have to pick one thing. James, looking back on that you know first or second year when you were photographing weddings any advice that you would give that younger james what would be the most important thing for him to know that you know now that he didn't know then yeah for me that's an easy one because you know we've learned this i think through james and schultz and if if i had known this 20 years ago, I would, <laughs> I'd be retired, <laughs> I think. And, and that is a couple of things, but basically you don't know what you don't know. And so it, with James and Schultz, we kept coming up against the hitting walls. We're like, okay, we don't know how to go to the next step. And so what we decided to do is like make the investment and hire people 
that knew way more than we did. Sam, you're one of those guys. Yeah. Spend three months with Sam and he'll blow your mind on all sorts of business ideas. You're like, holy crap. And you know, you're not, we don't take your entire system and, but, but you always take away something that like helps you move forward. And we've done that with across the board with everything from design over to over. Yeah. SEO to business and systems and even photography, like just digging in and accepting and I'm trying to understand what are my limiting beliefs and what, where, where does my knowledge end? And is that the thing that's holding me back? Like, I think I know, and I just Mm -hmm. don't know, but I think that I do. (laughs) But if you you ask the right person, they'll tell you exactly what you don't know and show you like, it's just like opening the curtain. Like, well, think about this. And you're like, Holy moly. I didn't even consider that. And now I've walked through that. And I, I think the growth that you experience that way is uh, exponential because of that. And that's why we always talk about collaboration and the collaboration between the two of us has been so effective is because we both look at it that way. We're learning from each other and then being open to learning from others. It was that realization, James, of what got us here won't get us there. We hit that so many times. That's the point of growth. That's where it is. We hired Sam, we grew hit another ceiling again with something else, hired somebody, acquired new data, grew, bump, bump, bump. It's all a giant collaboration. It really is. Yeah, so do it soon. (laughs) Do it earlier in your career is is (laughs) the key takeaway for me. But James, this is the same thing we talked about earlier with clients, right? It's a collaboration, not just coming Mm -hmm. to the table and saying, I'm a wedding photographer, here's how it is. Let's collaborate. Tell us how you see this. How do you feel? Planner, what do you want? What do you need? You know, with the stylist on the day and all of it, collaboration is the whole game. I mean, this is collaboration. I love it. You know, it's funny, James, you know, I think back often to my own career and how I got where I'm at. You know, Mm -hmm. one of my sisters told me that I develop a stack of skills over time as I've wandered around and learned different things. And I think that that's true and it's been helpful for me to kind of wander around. But I also wonder, like you talking to, you know, your 20 year ago self, like, I wonder how many years I could have shaved off. (laughs) (laughs) How many more jungle runs I could have done with auto in Mexico. If I, if I would have just found the right person to show me how to create a shortcut from Mm. where I was to where I wanted to be. I I do think that we spent a lot of our twenties, kind of wandering around and bumping into walls. And that's how we know, you know, what kind of box we want to live in with, yeah. with our life and with our career. And we, I think we have to go through that experience to really believe totally. that where we're at is the right place. But then once you figure that part out, then it's nice to just kind of raise your hand and go, Hey, I don't know something and, and I need some help. And yeah. there's a whole opportunity for you to do that in so many different areas as a business owner, whether that's operating your business or leading your business in the right direction or marketing your business or closing deals or, you know, forming long-term strategy, whatever it may be, in addition to all the creative and technical work that whatever it is that you do, plan weddings, design weddings, do floral, film weddings, it's all, it's all there. And there's so much to keep getting better at. The game is, the game is never over and the race is never won. It's a race without a finish line. And you just need to know the shortest path to get there. All right, man. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the conversation. I know that 
as part of the next iteration of your careers, you are looking at how you can help other wedding photographers achieve the kind of success that they want in their lives. Tell uh, everybody a little bit more about what you've got going with Sage and, and how they might be able to hook up with you and collaborate on their way forward. Yeah, I mean, we've learned so much in the last, well, 20 years, but then also, you know, in the last seven years, as James and Schultz, like restarting from, from the ground up again, like, okay, let's start a whole new brand. We just realized that we've done this enough times and we started getting people asking us like, Hey, can you tell us what you're doing? Can you help us out? So we have launched a online education brand called Sage. Um, and you can find that the business of luxury wedding is really our first education. Our first foray into that education is just trying to open the curtain behind and show people, you know, the, everything that's behind the curtain of luxury and ultra luxury weddings. Like how do you get into this and, and what are all the mindset issues and, and things you have to get through to get Brilliant. there? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, right now, if you go, if you go to sagejourney.net, you can find our information there. Um, and from there you can sign up for some of our workshops. You can join our Facebook group and just join that community. And again, it's all about collaboration and learning together. Yeah. And it's, it's just literally everything we've done and everything we're still doing today, all of it straight up. It works. It does work. It's still working. So we're just like, <laughs> here, do this. It works. <laughs> and you guys are very open and generous and giving with your transparency into what made you successful. Uh, we've, we've heard it on, on this episode and, and I've seen it in the conversations that occur in the, the Facebook group. It's a, uh, it's a great community. And uh, I hope if you're listening to this and, and you're in the premium or luxury segment and you want to have a community of people and learn from each other and, and also from what James and Otto have to share after their two decades of individual experience, uh, I, encourage you to to check out the the group auto james thanks so much for coming on the podcast i really appreciate you being as open and transparent with me about some of the successes and also some of the struggles and also about what it's like to work with another person who's your equal and to see it as a partnership and collaboration rather than as a competition where there's a, a winner and a loser you've really shared with everybody how a one and one makes three situation. And I hope that everybody can learn from that. Boom. That's it for this episode on own your business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know, I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 